Let's take our Bibles, please, to the book of 1 John. We continue to go verse by verse through the Bible, letting God speak to our heart, seeing what He has to say. And this should be His time for us to let Him talk. People talk all week long, but the Bible's God talking to us. So we're in 1 John chapter 3, and we've arrived at verse number 16. We only have three verses this morning. But they're enough for us to chew on and understand and, and receive today. First John chapter 3 and verse number 16, the Bible says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need... And shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Our three verses this morning I would entitle the proof of love. The proof of love. Our world talks about love quite a bit, but it's usually, as verse 18 says, it's just in word, it's just in tongue, it's not real, it's not, it's not concrete, it's just something someone says. And the first thing that we want to deal with in these three verses as we start in verse 16, it says, hereby perceive we the love of God. Hereby perceive we the love of God. You know, everybody's perception is not very good. Sometimes our perception is is faulty. Sometimes we don't perceive or we don't understand or see things that we ought to. If you have bad eyesight and you don't have the appropriate glasses or contacts or whatever, you will not perceive things that are really there. Maybe they, you will be deceived about what they are because they're blurry or whatnot. You just don't have a full understanding. Your perception's not good. Maybe your depth perception. If you've known people that had a, had a problem with their depth perception, they couldn't understand how far down the step was or how, you know, our perceptions can be off is what I'm trying to say. And so our verse says, hereby perceive we the love of God. God wants our perceptions to be good. He wants them to be right. He wants them to be truthful. You know, sometimes you can really think that somebody loves you. You can perceive that they love you, but they don't really love you. You can also perceive or think that somebody doesn't love you, but your perception can be faulty and they can really actually love you. Even though you think they don't, you're convinced that they don't. So here God's talking to us in the Bible. So hereby perceive we the love of God. Do you know that everybody doesn't perceive or know or understand that God really loves them? They doubt that. They doubt that. Again, because perception can be wrong. Well, God doesn't really care about me. God's not really interested in my life. Hereby perceive we the love of God. You know, some things that should be perceived that are so easily, should be easily perceived or understood, are not. You remember in John chapter 4, when Jesus Christ was with a woman at the well. Remember that woman? That woman had a very terrible, broken life, a a very bad past. She was in need 
of a Savior. She was in need of Jesus. And Jesus came by that way and began to talk with her. And somewhere in the conversation, Jesus brought up her past. You know, a lot of times we don't want Jesus to bring up our past. But let me tell you this. If you want a good future, you better let Jesus even deal with your past. Because he can change your whole life. So Jesus deals with this woman at the well, deals with her past, talks about her, how many husbands she had. She said, thou hast had five husbands. And this is what that woman said. She was so smart. Though she was wicked in her life, she was so smart. You know, just because you're wicked doesn't mean you have to be dumb. Amen. You know what that woman at the well said? She said, sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. She said, you know what? You not only know what you're talking about, you're reading my mail. You know things about me that nobody else knows about me. You know that's true about God? He knows everything about us. Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Why? Because he had been talking with her and told her the truth time and time again. And finally, she gets it. This isn't just a guy telling me. This, This is a prophet. This is a man sent from God. This is the truth speaker. Let me ask you a question. How many times does Jesus have to tell you the truth for you to finally understand that what he says is right? So many times people doubt what God says. Hey, he's been right time after time. You should perceive that what God says is true. You should perceive that, that God is always right because he's been, so many, he's been right so many times before. Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. You say, well, that should be easy. She, he told her that she had had five husbands, so she came to that perception. Well, I remind you, all the people that Jesus walked around, he read their mail too. But not all of them perceived that he was a prophet. I mean, surely they would have come to the conclusion that, that no man can do these miracles except God be with him. But everybody didn't come to that conclusion or they wouldn't have nailed him to a cross. No man ever speak like this man. But everybody didn't listen to what he said. The Bible said, had those people known that he was the Prince of Glory, the Lord of Glory, they would not have crucified him. They didn't perceive he was right. You say, how could they not if you heal the sick, if you raise the dead, if you do all those things? How could you not perceive that this is the God-man? But they didn't. They didn't know who was standing right in front of him. The Lord was. They had a problem with their perception. We have such a problem with our perception. And with what we're reading this morning, if you can't understand that God loves you, you're going to take some wrong turns in your life. And you probably won't love Him back. Hereby perceive we the love of God. You remember what Jesus said? He said, he said you know, you why behold the moat that's in your brother's eye. And this is what he said. And perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye. You know what we're good at? We're good at seeing everybody else's problems. We're really good at that. I mean, we are good inspectors. I mean, we have got it all down what is wrong with so-and-so. But you know what we do not perceive? We don't perceive what's wrong with us. We know what's wrong with the whole world, but we, for some reason we just can't understand what's wrong with me. 
You know what that is? That's called a perception problem. And and humanity has that. It runs deep within our hearts. And it it comes down to a heart issue. Jesus said, hold your finger right here in 1 John. Go to Matthew chapter 13. I'll show you why our perception is wrong. I'll show you why we cannot understand so many things. We can't understand our problems. We cannot understand the truth many times and see it. We can't see it. Many times we doubt God's love and heart for us. It's a perception problem. And here's why we have a perception problem. Matthew chapter 13, the Bible tells us in verse number 14, Jesus says, And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand. Watch it now. And seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. In other words, you see it there, but you don't perceive it. You don't understand it. It's right in front of your face. But there's no perception of it. There's no understanding. Why is that? Why can you hear and not understand? And why can you see and you never receive the knowledge of what's right in front of you? Look at the next word. For this people's, what does it say? Heart is waxed gross. And their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes, they have closed. Listen, at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. The problem in their perception was their heart. The problem was not their intelligence. The problem was their heart. That woman at the well perceived what the scribes and the Pharisees and the Romans and Pilate and the multitude did not perceive. Why? It wasn't because she was better than them. It's because her heart was touched. And we perceive with our heart. And if we don't surrender our hearts to God, we'll never have perception. We'll never have the understanding. And many times people don't perceive the love of God because they have a heart problem. Well, God doesn't love me. God doesn't care anything about me. Well, they hold a grudge at God. And it's a heart problem. It has nothing to do with God's love for them or God's thoughts for them. It has to do with their heart. Somewhere they, 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 they've been twisted. Somewhere they've been hurt. Somewhere they've given in to their own sin. And so their heart is clouded and their heart is darkened. And they cannot perceive the love of God, though it's so plain. You know, First John tells us about so many things that we know. Hereby we do know that we know Him, he said in chapter 2, verse 3. He said, he said, hereby we know that it is the last time, chapter 2, verse 18. I mean, we know what they were living in. We're living in the last days. We know that. He talks to them about knowing the truth in chapter 2, verse 21. He said, even in this chapter in 1 John that we are in, chapter 3, verse 14, he says, hereby we know that we have passed from death unto life. There is a a knowledge that we have. But sometimes people just doubt that he cares. They don't perceive the love of God for their life. They think God is not interested, that God is up in the heavens doing his own thing, and he has no love for me, he has no concern for me, he has no care for me. And what I want to tell you is that God does love you, and the proof of his love is not just in what he said. Now, that should should be enough, but this text shows that the proof of love is not just in words. 
But now, I'm, I'm thankful for the words. I, I really am. You know, there, there's some people that they don't, they think love is words of affirmation. I don't know if you understand that. In other words, if I'm not told that, that you love me, then I doubt that. And I have to have somebody telling me these words that they love me. And if, if I hear those words, then I believe that they love me. And if I don't hear those words, then I don't believe they love me. There's only thing, one, one thing wrong with that. People lie. <laughs> and there's another thing wrong with that. People forget. <laughs> you know, I'll give you an illustration. My dad had a dad, my grandfather, that never told him he loved him. But he did. But he didn't know how to verbalize it. That's the way he grew up. Is everybody with me? That's the way his dad was with him, and so that's the way he was with his boy. Now, I don't believe in that. My dad told me he, 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 he moved from that. He told Joel and I he loved us all the time. He, he did, I, and, and I needed that, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. But what I'm trying to tell you is my grandfather, just because he didn't tell my dad, doesn't mean he didn't love him. He did. He did. Because the words don't determine... Are you listening to me? It's not the words that's the determining factor. When my dad, uh, I forget what disease it was that he got as a child, and my granddad went in the back of the church and, and prayed like all night and gave his heart to God because he thought maybe that what was going on in his boy's life was something that maybe he had done. He, he, loved, he loved his son. He just didn't put it in word or in tongue. And those people that think those words of affirmation are all there is, you know, there's a lot of people that can tell you that they love you, but they don't. Right. Words are very cheap. I'm not saying they're not important because they are. But they are not the proof of love. And you know what I'm thankful for? I'm glad I was raised as a child in church and around the Bible. And my parents, you know what they did? They told me. God loves you. And I'm thankful for those words. I'm thankful for learning as a child, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the what? The Bible tells me so. And the Bible should be enough because it's the inspired word of God. It's not the word of man. But you know what? It's still words. So this is what God did. God says, I'll go farther than just telling you that. I will prove to you that I love you. I will prove to you in deed and in truth that I love you. Would you look back at your verse again with me? In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16, he says, Hereby perceive we the love of God. Not because we have a fuzzy feeling in our heart. Isn't that a strange way to determine love? Oh, I know He loves me. Why? I just got this feeling. Danger zone. <laughs> because tomorrow you may lose the feeling. <laughs> you know, sometimes I feel and sense that God loves me. But that's not the proof of it. He says, hereby perceive we the love of God. What does your Bible say? Hereby perceive we the love of God, 1 John 3.16 says, because 
Here is the cause. Here is the proof. Because He laid down His life for us. We know the proof of His love because of His action. He laid down His life for us. God. God laid down His life for you. Almighty God. The author and finisher of our faith. The sinless one. The perfect one. The Creator, God, laid down His life for you. That blood on the cross, it wasn't just normal blood. It was God's blood. He proved the love. Look at chapter 4. He tells us in chapter 4, in verse number 9 of 1 John, He says, in this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. He proved His love because He sent His Son. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that for you. He didn't have to do that for me. He sent God sent His Son to be the payment for your sin. He didn't have to do that. He did that because He loved us. And he proved it because he laid down his life. He said, in this was manifest, manifested the love of God. First John's a great book. He said in chapter 1, he talks about that life being manifested. In chapter 3, we just talked about the children of God and the children of the devil being manifested. But oh, thank God that he manifested his love, that he proved his love. And if you ever doubt God's love, take a trip to Calvary. If you ever doubt God's love, take up the gospel and go back and read the the account of the crucifixion. He didn't have to do that. He did that because he loved you and he proved it. There's a lot of people that don't prove their love in, in deed. But greater love hath no man than this. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life. Not forced, not an accident, but voluntarily laid down his life. Greater love, the greatest love in the world, is somebody voluntarily laying down their life for another. God says that's the greatest love. The Bible says when we were without strength, In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's you and me. For scarcely, for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure, even for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Nobody will ever love you like that. I don't care how many friends you have. I don't care how who your relatives are. Nobody will love you like that. God loving us in our condition as wicked, sinful, ungodly people. And He, the owner of the universe, the glories of heaven there, and laid down His life for you to, and me to redeem us from our sins. That's matchless love. That's the proof of love. 
Maybe that's why the devil doesn't want us to take trips to Calvary in our mind. Because we will be assured again of his love. Does Jesus care? I know he cares. How do I? He proved it. Look at John chapter 10. He proved it. He proved his love for you. Nobody's done that for you. We've heard stories of, of Marines and military men that voluntarily have jumped on grenades and received the impact in their bodies voluntarily to spare the lives of people around them. We've, we've heard stories of all that. And those are great stories of love. And yet you have to understand the person that jumped on the grenade was a sinner that was going to die anyway. And Jesus didn't just jump on a grenade and he wasn't just a grunt in the armed forces somewhere that was also a sinner. He was the perfect one. He was the spotless one. He was the sinless one. It's like what they said to David. David, don't go out to battle with us. You're worth 10,000 of us. If all of us die and you live, that'd be great because you are so much better than we are. Guys, if all of us die, Jesus is more valuable than all of us. But He laid down His life for us. Aren't you glad we don't have a Muslim God? The Muslim God demands you lay down His life for Him. The cultic God says you have to give your life for, for, for us. But our God laid down His life for us. That's love. You know, if a big battle takes place, I don't think the president would fall on a grenade for you. I don't think the governor would take a bullet for you. You know why? You're not that important. People take bullets for them. Is anybody following my train of thought? The Lord Jesus Christ, our great God, is a lot more important than any famous or rich individual or politician or governor or president or king. He's God. And He took your bullet. If that isn't love, the ocean is dry. There's no stars in the sky. And the sparrow can't fly. If that isn't love, then heaven's a myth. You see, that is the epitome of love. How could you ever doubt God loves you when He died for you? Sometimes we read that story of the crucifixion. We don't have John 10 on our mind. I ask you to turn to John 10 because hereby perceive we the love of, of God because He laid down His life for us. And John chapter 10 tells us just that. John chapter 10 and verse number 17, Jesus says this, Therefore doth my Father love me. This is an amazing verse. 
Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. He said, you know why my Father loves me? He loves me because I'm laying down my life. Because that's the greatest love in the universe. And if it impressed God, it should impress you. He says, no man taketh it from... We read the crucifixion story and sometimes we have this idea that they took Jesus' life or they abused Him and they had the power over Him. They didn't have the power over Him. He laid His hand down for them. Go ahead, put, put, put the nail in. He laid His feet down for them. He could have stopped them. At any time He could have stopped them. He said, no, I'm laying down my hand. I'm laying down my life. I'll submit my head. Go ahead and put the thorns there. He could have stopped that spear from being put in his side. He could have stopped the man whipping the whip on his back. The very breath in that man's mouth was given to him by Jesus Christ. Jesus laid down his life. Go ahead. Go ahead. Why? Because He loves you. don't want you to go to hell. Somebody has to pay for your sin. And you can either pay for your sin in hell forever or you can receive the payment of the greatest love in the world which was Jesus Christ paying your sin debt on a cross. He did it because you loved Him. We can never say as that man was deceived in Psalms, no man ever cared for my soul. That's not true. I know it was a long time ago. But if you could go to heaven right now, if you could walk through the gates of glory and walk up to that throne and see the Lord Jesus sitting on that right hand of God, you know what he'd say? Look how I loved you. You know why? The wounds are still there. Even in the glorified body, the wounds are still there. You get to heaven, I tell you what, you won't doubt His love, you'll see the wounds. That's why when He comes back again, the Jewish people start crying. They start crying and they weep and they mourn because they see the proof of the love that their Messiah had for them, though they rejected Him. Hereby perceive we the love of God. God loves you. God loves you more than anybody will ever love you. And He proved that love by laying down his life. Would you go back to our text? We're not finished. I did want to spend the most time on that because I think that's the most important. But how about the proof proof of our love for one another? Do we just love in word and deed, the Bible said in tongue, or in deed and in truth? 1 John 3, 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us, and we ought. We, that's saved people. If you're not saved, this is not... Applying to you. You need to get saved for you can enter into these things. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Just like Jesus laid down our lives for us. God says we ought to love each other enough to lay down our lives for each other. That's not your private family. That's saved people. You know why I think those soldiers die for each other? They believe they're a family. They're comrades. 
They got a deep bond. Oh, church, we ought to have a deep bond. We ought to know who our family... He says we ought to love each other so much that we would be willing to lay down our lives for the brethren. We ought, he said. What we ought to do and what we do many times is not the same. You know, a selfish person would never lay down their life for anyone. There are two people in the Bible, actually three. One's a husband-wife team that were our examples in laying down their lives for the brethren. One is in the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 2, the Bible talks about Epaphroditus. The Bible says that Epaphroditus, that to supply the lack of the Philippians' service toward, toward him, it's toward Paul, that the Bible says he was sick nigh unto death for the work of God, for the work of Christ. He was nigh unto death to minister to Paul. To supply what other people wouldn't do for Paul. He, he was giving his life, laying down, he was almost dead trying to minister to somebody else. The other example is Aquila and Priscilla in Romans 16. Paul says this about that husband wife team who, for my life, have laid down their own necks. They laid down their necks. I'll take the punishment. I'll give of myself. I'll give my life. I'll give my, my finances, whatever I need to give. They gave up their whole life to be a blessing to the work of God and the Apostle Paul. They proved their love by giving themselves. You know what I think? I think that We are running short in the gas tank of love. You know who I think we're in love with? Just like the Bible says in these last days. We're all in love with ourselves. Guys, I'm not preaching at you. I'm just telling you what's true. We got a great church. You know, look at that next verse in verse 17. We got a great church because we have a church that tries to meet the needs of one another. And because that's showing the proof of love. He says in verse number 17, But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? He said, look, if you really love each other, you're going to prove that love. You're going to serve love. By, by love, you're going to serve one another and lay down your lives for another. And by love, you're going to meet the needs of each other. Meet each other's needs. If you see a brother that's got a need, you're not talking about the world. I, sometimes I never, I never cease to be amazed. People that will call the church and want us to pay their phone bill and buy their groceries and pay their electric bill, and they would never darken a church door, but they think somehow that the money that the people give to God is, is given to pay for all of their lives when they don't want to have anything to do with God or the church. If you don't want to have anything to do with God the church, why would you come to church and ask, ask the church to pay for your bills? That's sort of odd. But if you're a part of the family of God, we have, you know what we've done in this church? We paid people's electric bills. We paid people's medical bills. Sometimes you don't even know about it. We bought people food. We fixed people's cars. We provided for widows. We've even bought a car. Somebody needed one. And on and on I could go. You know why? Because that's the proof of love. And let me ask you a question. Who do you love? Who do you love? 
Who have you proven that you love? By giving yourself. Oh, we're such takers. We want everybody to love us, but we don't want to lay down our lives for anyone else. We want everybody to meet our needs, but we don't want to meet anybody else's needs. You know why? Because there's no love in our hearts for others. You see, your brother have need. I got. I don't even know who put it. Somebody put a thing on my desk just a week ago. A card for, to a, to a grocery store. It was it was a, a, a gift card or a check card or whatever. It said, "Give this to somebody in need in the, in the church family." Nobody told him to do that. But when you love people, then you'll show that. I'll tell you what. We've got children that don't love their parents. We've got parents that don't love their children. We've got husbands and wives that don't love each other. We've got church people that don't love... You know, and the proof of that is because there's no giving. That There's no giving of yourself. It's just always expecting this entitlement generation. Who do you love? Who have you given yourself to? Who would you lay down your life for? Guys, I, I acknowledge to you. I need God to help me with this. Because I would die for my son. I really would. I would die for my daughters. But to die for this young man is a little bit different step. Are you with me? I'd die for my wife. But to die for Brother Larry's wife? Is anybody with me this morning? Because this is what we say. We say, oh, how I love Jesus, and I love you, brother, and I love you, sister. But a lot of times that's just in, it's in word, it's in tongue. It's not in deed. Amen. We've got people that have gone mowed people's grass. You say, that's a little thing. No, that's just trying to show somebody you love them. So the proof of our love, I, I would tell you, even in your own families, We need to prove our love to one another. He says, how shutteth up your bowels of compassion upon... That's a great verse for people that don't like the King James Bible and take all those italicized words out. Trust me, you don't want to take out those italicized words. I won't make an issue that you can go home and just read that without the italicized words. Yeah, you don't want that. You want those italicized words there. He said in the book of James, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. I'm reading from James 2. Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? I don't know what's going to happen in this country. I tell you what, we could hit a depression just as easy as we could hit a recession. And if you don't, if you don't believe that, you're not, you're not very in tune. And you could lose your job, sir. It wouldn't take very many events to shut down the job market. You know, all God would really have to do if he really wants to bring judgment is just turn off the rain. Brother Larry was thanking God for the rain. How about if it don't rain for about three or four months? There's so many. You talk about pandemics and plagues. God can just cut off the rain. And all the crops die, and then all the rivers dry up. Did you see where Hoover Dam's about to dry up? Who would imagine that? There's not enough water in Hoover Dam to run the electricity. Why? God turned off the water. Now let me ask you a question. Won't you be thankful for people that have real love if you're destitute of daily food, if you have nothing, 
and people love you enough to help take care of you and your family? Wouldn't that be a blessing? But wouldn't, be a, wouldn't it be a greater blessing if you love people that much? Amen. The proof of God's love for us, the proof of our love one for another, and then I give you this last one. It's only in this little phrase in 1 John. 1 John chapter 3, would you look at it with me please? At the end of verse 17, God asks a question. 1 John three seventeen, the last little phrase. How dwelleth the love of God in him. I want to ask you, what's the proof of my love for God? I understand the proof of God's love for us. I understand now the proof of our love for one another. But what about the proof of my love for God? How dwelleth the love of God in him? Do I just say I love God or do I, am I really in love with the God that made me and that saved me? Do you love the Lord this morning? He tells us in chapter 4, in verse number, number uh, 20, chapter 4, verse 20, 1 John, if a man say, I love God, a lot of people do that, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? God tells me this. He says, look, the proof, the proof of your love for me is that you love somebody else. Oh, that's rough. You know what the truth is? You don't like God if you don't like people. You don't get along with God if you can't get along with anybody. And you don't love God if you don't love anybody. Here's the thing. You've never seen God. He'd never come to your house. How do you know you would love Him? Oh, how I love Jesus. You've never spent the day with Him. He may be offensive to you. He may be an individual that makes you uncomfortable. You know what God tells us? The proof, how dwelleth the love of God in Him? The proof of my love for God is how I love His people because here's the truth. If this young man is saved, God is in him. If I can't love the God that's in him and love his life, I don't love God. How dwelleth the love? How how can you love God you don't see if you can't love your brother whom you have seen? So the proof of my love for God is my interaction with his people. What I'm trying to say, if you don't love the people of God, you don't love God. Because God is in his people. God's not in the people of the world. God's not in lost people. He's in saved people. How dwelleth the love of God in him? You know what he said? He said, if any man love God, the same is known of him. The truth is, if anybody here loves God, everybody knows it. We know it by your life. Because the Bible tells us in chapter 5, this, this is the last thing I will read to you. First John chapter 5, verse 2, it says, By this we know that we love the children of God, and when we love God and keep his commandments, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. He tells us in 2 John verse 6, and this is love that we walk after His commandments. What's the proof of my love for God? The proof of my love for God is I love the people that God is in. And the proof of my love for God is I do what He tells me to do. And if I have a problem doing what God tells me to do, I don't love Him. This is love that we keep His commandments. 
our obedience or our disobedience proves whether or not we love God. You know the first thing God tells man to do? He tells him to repent and believe on his son. And you don't love God if you've not repented and come to Christ and been saved. Because that's his commandment. He commandeth all men everywhere to repent. I love God. Do you? Do you do what he says? So, don't doubt that he loves you. But you loving each other and you loving him, there's probably a lot of doubts that could be put there. Love, love, love. Everybody talks about love. Why don't we fall in love with God who is love? And not only tell him. Probably some of you in here this morning, you hadn't told God you loved him and who knows how long. But more than telling him, he wants you to show him.